When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Dave Hooker Show, a presentation of Off the Hook Sports, objective insight, expertise, top guests, available on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the Off the Hook Sports app. Download now for free. Also available on offthehooksports.com. I compute and obey. Now to Dave Hooker. Ready. All righty, here we go, and plenty to talk about, as you would imagine. Tennessee is just right around the corner to play in the University of Texas, San Antonio. If you need a breakdown of them, they're on offthehooksports.com. We came into this season saying that we thought this would be a difficult test for Tennessee, probably not nearly as much as we thought, but five players to watch for Tennessee and UTSA in the matchup on Saturday. Also, we'll rank the transfers thanks to Josh Ward, and he wrote about that. Tennessee's transfers haven't had the impact that we believe they would to this point, but I want to remind everybody that it is September, and there's a long way to go. How does Josh Heupel evaluate talent? Good, great, maybe not. Uh, Jeremy Pruitt's recruits played well for Tennessee at times, of course, we all know the Jeremy Banks situation. How many wins does Tennessee football need to uh, maintain the momentum under Josh Heupel? But first of all, Caleb Calhoun, we're going to talk quarterbacks. How are you, sir? Pretty good. How are you doing, Dave? 
I'm fantastic. Let's get to it right now. It is today's tough question. Today's tough question. Take a side. Take a stand. The Dave Hooker Show, a presentation of OffTheHookSports.com. Today's tough question is brought to you by our friends at Zen Sports. I'll tell you more about that here momentarily. And it's pretty simple to me, and this hit me last night, and I wrote about it. It's on offthehooksports.com. Should uh, Tennessee take a look at a guy named Nico Iamaleava against UTSA in meaningful snaps? I'm not talking about when the game's out of hand in the third or fourth quarter. I'm talking about playing a series or two in the first quarter or second quarter. Already, Tom says, uh, yeah, but there are pitfalls that I want to discuss that come with this. So, Caleb, let me ask you first. You've read my column that just went up on offthehooksports.com. What say you about giving Nico some real time against UTSA? I don't think it's a good idea. I disagree with you, funny enough. Um, and I'll tell you why. I A lot of people disagree me- with me, so that's not unusual. For meaningful snaps, I played Gaston more before Nico Iamaliava this year. And I say that because you're still thinking, and we're going to talk a little bit later in the show about what Tennessee needs to do to maintain the momentum of the year of, of, of Josh Heupel this year, given how re- expectations have reset. But we're still talking about a quarterback who... Tennessee has suspect O-line play. Nico Iamaliava is very, very brittle right now, given his size. I still maintain if you put him in for meaningful snaps, you're risking an, you're risking an injury that wrecks him for 2024, that will nag him for the rest of his college and even into his pro career. He's just not big enough. He's 6'6", 210. Now, some people say he's close to hidden hooker size. He is in weight, but if you guys – Remember, Hendon Hooker was still like 217, and I think, and he was only like 6'3. So, uh, yeah, and Hendon wasn't nearly as tall. Uh, Nico's a solid 6'6. Six, six. Robert says, need to reset our mojo. Uh, let's talk about the pitfalls because there are significant pitfalls that I thought about. And it's brought to you by Zen Sports. Zen Sports, the new sports book in Tennessee, revolutionizing the way you earn sports betting rewards. That means no more deposit bonuses that turn into deposit nightmares on Zen Sports. What you see is what you get. And with their cash rewards program, you get a lot of cash. For a welcome bonus, earn an unlimited 5% cash back on your betting volume for your first 15 days when you sign up with the promo code HOOKED. That's right, unlimited 5% cash back. Keep betting and keep earning with up to 3% cash back on your betting volume every month after that. And refer friends to earn a percentage of their betting volume as cash rewards to Zen Sports is bringing the cash back to Tennessee. So if you bet big on sports, you want to be betting on Zen Sports. Zen Sports betting just got better. And call 1-800-889-9789 for gambling problem. Must be 21 and over and in Tennessee to bet. All right, Gaston Moore, you can't play him. You're just wasting snaps and essentially conceding any sort of championship if you run him out there in uh, any sort of meaningful uh, game, um, especially in the first quarter. And I think Tennessee is going to beat UTSA significantly. So the question is going to be, when does Nico come into the game? Um, it's not if. If it's a third quarter or fourth quarter, what does he really gain? Because that's not a real 
game time atmosphere if it's out of hand. You have to play Nico Iamaleva because Tennessee's not going to win a championship with Joe Milton. They're not going to win the East, which Florida could still lose two games, but they're not going to win the East by beating Georgia and Alabama. They're not going to sneak their way into a four-team playoff. Now, if this were next year and this was a 12-team playoff, I would have a little bit more patience, but the time is now. You look at Tennessee's schedule and maybe you would say to yourself, hey, uh, this Tennessee team is um, uh, has a perfect opportunity to get Nico ready if Joe Milton struggles before the Texas A&M game when you have a bye week. Okay, make that argument if you want to. That's too late. That's too late. If Tennessee slips up against South Carolina, which because of injuries, because of number of issues, a lack of chemistry on the offensive side, and Joey Halsley can say all day that operationally Joe Milton is great, but no one is scared of Joe Milton's deep ball. No one is scared of Tennessee running the football right now because their top two offensive linemen for last year are gone. Their best offensive lineman is still on the shelf. So if I'm Tennessee, I am getting some real snaps for Nico. And if this team is so strong and so mature and has such great leadership, they need to take that in stride. That being said, I have certainly seen where a quarterback decision like this can splinter a team. That, however, is a risk I would be willing to take if I'm Josh Heupel. And I would see what I got out of two series with uh, Nico. And then at that point, if I thought that they had to put him in the start the second half to beat UTSA, let's say that game's still close, then I'm making that move. And I would have... Unless Nico goes out there and bombs, I would have the same approach for the South Carolina game. The bottom line is there is a glass ceiling with Joe Milton. I don't know if there's a glass ceiling with uh, Nico. And I think it's time for Tennessee to find out. I don't think there's a glass ceiling with Nico. I can tell you straight up right now when Nico gets to the right size, I think Tennessee could be unstoppable with him at quarterback. Again, if you make this switch, Dave, look, we all agree that you're not thinking about this year at that point. You're thinking about next year because you don't think you're going to win a championship if you switch to Nico. Let's put that out there. Am I right? Not necessarily. No. I mean, I think that you could put Nico out there and get improved quarterback play, get Cooper Mays back, and you could potentially lose another game to Alabama uh, and or Georgia and Get, well, Alabama's not as good. Well, you just kind of throw those Alabama up there out of habit sometimes, Caleb. But Alabama's not that great. Uh, no, I think that Nico could come in, and if he's as good as people seem to believe, that he could come in and lead Tennessee through the rest of the season with just one more loss. So I think that, um, no, at this point, I would take the unknown – and you said you know that Nico's going to be good. We really don't. I mean, he could go out there and chomp the bit. I mean, there are non-gamers. I don't think he's going to be like that. But I would go out there and I would make that move to see what I had. Now, here's the cool thing about it. With UTSA, you're Josh Heupel. You can say, is there a quarterback controversy? 
and you just come out and say, no, we just wanted to give him a look in a real game atmosphere. Then you grade it, you come back the next week, and maybe you don't play him at all. Maybe he's not ready. As far as the long-term injury thing, listen, I, I mean, there aren't a lot of long-term injuries that take you out of games physically. Are you talking about him getting psychologically damaged? Well, them's the breaks, kid. I mean, that's what you signed up for. So you better be ready to go and not have a psychological dent if uh, if it doesn't go well. But I, I think okay. it's time this week to take a look at Nico. Go ahead. What happens – okay, say you talk about splintering the team. What happens if you put Nico in? He inevitably at some point, say he does get hurt, not for career or anything like that, but just for this year. So you have to put Joe Milton back in. Well, not only do you put Joe Milton back in, so you're back to that glass ceiling you talked about, but you've also lost the team because okay. as you talk about well, splintering the team. And I mean, because I think the I think the likelihood of Nico getting hurt is so astronomically high, guys. I'm really, I would bet on a likelihood that he would get hurt. Overnight. Well, how many times did Joe Milton get hit last week, though? Joe Milton's a lot bigger. Well, uh, no, no, I understand, but how many times did he get hit? He got hit a few times. I don't know exactly the number. I mean, he got hit on that interception he threw. I mean, again, they had a they still did a lot of quick screens and run and draws and runs and things like that. So they tried to take away the chances for him to get hit. But I do think he got hit a couple of times at least. Well, no, he did, and- but so did. Uh, Casey Clawson as a freshman. So did Eric Ainge as a as a freshman. Yeah, so, but that didn't that didn't split the team as much. And by the way, that Eric Ainge offensive uh, one line did. one did split the team. The Ainge Clawson thing. Well, no, but, that was 05, not 04, though. Right, but but talking about a quarterback controversy. Here's the but but here's the bottom line, Caleb. Is Tennessee's not going to win a championship with Joe Milton at quarterback? I don't believe that's the case. I like no, him a lot. Not. But I just don't believe that's going to happen. Um, Tennessee is is going to be better, I believe, with Nico at the helm. And if he's not, then you've got the excuse versus UTSA. You want to see him for two series and how he would do. And no, there's no quarterback controversy. You know as well as I do, Josh Heupel is going to try to control the narrative. So say what you want to say after the game, even if in the back of your head, it is a quarterback controversy. So are you are you suggesting that Josh Hype will do this versus UTSA and then consider starting him versus South Carolina or just giving him meaningful snaps versus UTSA just as a test? If he lights it up and he throws a couple of darts downfield, then yeah, I would I would consider that. But I would never tell anybody that. After the game, I would say we just want to see him for a couple of snaps and Joe's the starter. A practice is closed, so if he rolls out there first during the Gamecocks, nobody's going to know about it until the day of. And as far as his team splintering, sure, that could happen, but I think a lot of this leadership from last year and from all that I've been told, I think a lot of what they think of Nico. So at the end of the day, yes, you could splinter the team. Some people could like one player over another. But at the end of the day, these players want to win. And I think there is real concern that Nika, I'm sorry, Joe can't get them to a uh, an elite level. Robert says Dave might be right, um, but it kind of goes just... all over the place in the message where some people say no, um, but but that's where I am. And I thought a lot about it yesterday. I just, 
you, you are not going to make a New Year's Day Bowl with Joe Milton at quarterback. Okay, but what I'm saying happens is I still think the likelihood you brought up Ainge and Clawson. Dave, you covered that 2000 and those 2000, that 2004 team, particularly that 2004 team Ainge was on. That offensive line blocks circles around this offensive line. I mean, whatever you think of Michael Munoz, he was a reliable offensive lineman and he was an All-American that year. Aaron Sears was on that team. Um, the, I mean, that, that's, what that's, year was that's, it that, but yeah, what year was it that Ainge got thrown into the, the 2005? He got thrown into the goalpost at LSU. That was 05. That was 05, yeah. not 04. Yeah, they they had a better offensive line, and I'm I'm not gonna I'm not arguing that point. But isn't this offense designed to maximize what you have talent wise? Yeah, but they're still you're still gonna have to get hit if you don't have the offensive line. And I mean, I don't mean get hit like again, it's not like Spurrier's offense. It's not like the quarterback has to be willing to get hit every time they throw the ball. But I will say they're under a lot more pressure this year because of the issues on the line. And I'm saying okay. You bring in – and Claw, Casey had a much better offensive line, too, in 2000. I wanted to get that out. But you bring in Nico, Nico gets hurt, and then you're back to Joe Milton, and you've lost the team. And no, why do you think you've lost – I don't think that's a given that you've lost the team. I, I think, think you've it, lost the team. As a matter of fact, in 2005, when I think they went to Rick Clawson, I think he got the team back. It's when they went back and forth that they lost the team. That showed a lack of leadership. I'm not going back and forth. I'll no, that's not that. what happened in 2005. That's the what happened is they 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 were alternating at the beginning. Then they went with Ainge against LSU and they lost the team. And then they went back to Rick and you're right, they came back and beat LSU. But I think the team had still tuned out Fulmer and the coaching staff at that point because they were annoyed that he ever went with Ainge to begin with. Because they all well, there's all, some tr- there's some truth to that, but he continued to force Ainge down their throat when they got healthy. Um l- l- listen, he certainly could get hurt, but um, that's just kind of where you are with this football program. And there's really no injury nowadays that you just don't bounce back from. It does happen, what, one in a thousand times. You know, back in Chuck Webb's day, it used to happen where you're forever affected. It doesn't yeah. happen anymore. He leapt off the field. That's the crazy part. Chuck Webb actually walked off the field. I mean, yeah. when do you see <laughs> – when does a guy walk off the field and then it's a career-ending injury? No. So um, your thoughts on the message board and uh, let me let me hear what you think. Uh, Would you uh, go ahead and play Nico against UTSA? The other reason I like it and and, and listen, they're not going to beat up on Tennessee's quarterback, no matter if it's Joe Milton or Nico this week. I mean, they're not that good. And I believe that as long as you throw it, as soon as your back foot hits the the back of the pocket, which Joe Milton does not, and you get the ball out quickly, which is supposed to be Nico's strength. I th- I actually believe you could design an offense where he doesn't get hit one single time. Now, that would hamper the offense, and you wouldn't want to do that. Don't get me wrong. But I think with this offense, you could say, hey, just get rid of the ball on your back foot. But the injury thing is that that's just football. Nobody thought Cooper Mays or Keenan Pilly was going to get hurt. I would not go back and forth, though, to your point. Uh, aside from injury, I would make my decision at least by the A&M game, and it's either Joe or it's Nico the rest of the time. Smoky Mountain Red says the game is a perfect time to see what he can do. And you, and, and obviously Josh Heupel has no problem misleading the media a little bit, so you come out of that and you say, we just want to see what happened. That's all we're shooting for and you say that and people gobble it up for the most part i think it's time to give nico a look 
and uh, and that's come with a lot of thought. You know, I didn't I didn't believe in Nico six months ago. I came around, um, and yeah, I, I just don't believe that if he can't manage the offense now, which is he doesn't even come down to throwing the ball and getting the ball out and being accurate. We're not even at that point. But if he can't do that, then that's that's a real problem. Rocky Top Tom says, look, Nico can do everything. Joe can't. I hate it. I don't want it to be so, but it's true. Joe Milton is Neil Diamond. Nico is Bond Scott. Ouch. All righty. Um, as we move forward, but that's my stance on Nico. I would play him like right now, like this week for two snaps. We want to get to Josh Ward's piece as far as ranking transfers Tennessee has been really hit and miss with the transfers that we talked so glowingly about in the offseason it's brought to you by Andy Mason andymasonrealestate.com so here is how Josh Ward who will not be able to join us today he's got a sick daughter so we wish her the best get better Nora but if you look at Josh Ward's ranking at number eight He's got offensive lineman Andre Carrick. Well, wait, can we do it? Do you have any positive or negative sound effects for each player? So we can just, you know, so we can get, we can give like a passing or failing grade so much for how they've done. The only one I've got's a little mean. So I don't want to do that one. It's the, why can't we be mean? They're getting paid in the NIL now. Well, it's the happy Gilmore. I don't, I don't like to, and I don't really like it. So let's go Andre <laughs> Carrick. Um, he is number eight. He needed an injury to get in the uh, starting lineup. So, yeah, I mean, I can't argue with that. Uh, John Campbell, number seven. Uh, he's a starter, um, but I don't think he's great against elite competition. The one that I want to get your thoughts on, Dante Thornton. By the way, we got so excited about Dante Thornton in the offseason. He needed an injury to get on the field against Oregon, and he ended up catching about 24 passes for 336 yards. So Jerry Rice didn't walk into the building in the offseason. So Dante Thornton, let's get your thoughts on the bottom third, Thornton, Campbell, and Andre Couric. All right, I'll go with each of them. Dante Thornton has been a total waste of potential, and I have to be honest, watching him now, Dave, I get you're going to say where Joe Milton was late on the throw, but the lack of effort that I see, Dante Thornton seems like a guy that has all the physical tools, but has no gives no effort whatsoever. I just see no work ethic at all in that guy. And I'm sorry. I, I hate to say that, but I'm seeing there are players like that. And Dante Thornton is what comes across to me as what you said James Banks was like in 2003, 2002. Well, he just doesn't care. According to Joey Halsley, he is an incredibly hard worker, but what's he supposed to say at a podium? He's going to say, this is why we need Spurrier. Spurrier would openly say he doesn't work that hard like he did with Jadavian Clowney. <laughs> the issue I have is not his work ethic. I'm not at practice, but the issue I have is he is what he is, and that's Alvin Harper. Alvin Harper was a, a guy who ran the fly almost every time, the fly route at Tennessee, and definitely for the Dallas Cowboys. He caught those passes. He made an impact. He stretched defenses, but he was not Michael Irvin or one of the other guys that had an all-around game. So that's what Thornton is. So he's getting negated because defensive backs are rolling back into soft coverage. Um, as far so as the line, I just wanted to bring up, though. Yeah, so Carrick has been a disaster. I'm going to call him an outright disaster. I don't know if you want to, but he's been horrendous. He should be embarrassed for how he played against Florida. Quite honestly, he's a scholarship offensive lineman. 
Yeah, I have no problem and, with him being last on Josh's list. So that tells you how. Yeah. And John Campbell Jr., I'm so glad Josh put him there because everybody was high on him after that game against Virginia, and I felt like I was the only one saying, guys, laying an impressive block versus making basic mistakes and pre-snap penalties and on a fourth down and getting and whiffing on a fourth down block, those are bigger deals. John Campbell, I'll say this with John Campbell, the effort looks there. I don't know if picking up the offense is there yet that's the, that's the thing I, I i i do think the effort's there with john i just think he's having trouble picking up the offense which is somewhat understandable it is september but you expect these guys to be plug and play and if they come from a totally different offense which he did which most of these guys did maybe that's something moving forward with the transfer portal we need to take into account is these guys may not be september players uh so dante thornton at six charles campbell at number five. Should be Keenum, higher. Uh, yeah, I got no problem with that. Keenan Pilly, Josh put at number four, and I think it's because the impact he would have had and based off his first couple of games, uh, I would have actually had McAllen Castles probably at uh, at number one. Um, I don't think he affects the game as much, but as far as a, a hit or miss or somewhere in between, I think he was a, a big hit. But Josh had Gabe Judy Lawley at number two, followed by Omar Norman Lott at number one, who has had probably the biggest impact on the team. But as far as hitting on a guy, if I did it by that criteria, I would have Castles number one. Tell me if that makes sense to you, Caleb. First, I'll tell you that AndyMasonRealEstate.com is your home to get real estate in the Knoxville area. AndyMasonRealEstate.com. And, with Andy, you get the best prices, the best service in the biz. Andy Mason, realestate.com. He's my realtor. He should be yours. So what do you make of uh, that list? Any changes that you would make? Yes, um, I would have. I, I respect Gabe Judy I think he struggled a little bit against Florida, so I would have him down. I do agree with Omar Norman Lott, and I still maintain he should not be suspended for UTSA. He put he's He was putting up a fight. The defensive tackle play has been solid. I'm with you on McCollin Castles. Charles Campbell is in my top three, too. Those are the clear-cut top three. Charles Campbell's been, I mean, again, he nailed a 42-yard field goal in the swamp last week. And John Campbell, again, after rewatching that game, the defensive tackles did their job last week. Tyler Bear and Roman Harrison and James Pierce just didn't show up. It's just that simple. So I, I do like Omar Norman Lott. And I'm with you. Macaulay Castles has been very good player. The The there was the penalty last week, but that was not a real penalty. That's one of the worst calls I have ever seen for a blindside block. So those are the clear-cut top three. And I do think Peely would be number four, if it, or I mean, would be in the top three. But I got him at number four because he did look reliable against Virginia. And as Josh accurately wrote out, Peely's value is already seen just by how much Tennessee's struggling without Peely out there. I mean, they, they were I think, so he'd, I think he'd be number one. I think so too. If he, healthy, I think he'd easily be number one. And I think Josh, I think player. Josh kind of graded him on a curve because he has been out. And I, I, I mean, I'm totally cool with Josh doing that, but I think he kind of graded him on a curve a little bit. Um, Overall, think, though, disappointment or positive for the transfer unit as a whole so far? Well, it's it's a negative. I mean, it, it, it has not panned out to this point. There's no question about that. But l- let me reset that after saying that. Should we look at transfers a little bit different? Should we l- really look at the guys that are just going to – they're going to step in and boom, they are absolutely going to be impact players from day one? Or should we 
look at them slightly different in that, hey, if you get them at a high level by the second half of the year or year number two, that's good for a transfer. Do we have the bar set, not just you and me, but college football as a whole, do we have the bar set too high? And think back to last year. So to me, the perfect fit and the perfect transfer is uh, probably like a Jameer Gibbs, or if you want to go at Caleb Williams that hit the ground running from the get. But are we supposed to expect that out of every single guy? I mean, in the NFL, when they sign free agents, they expect that. They don't say, oh, you'll gel with the offense next year. No, no, no. Right. When you you'll sign a free agent. You'll be great in 2025. Yeah. When the NFL signs a free agent, they're expecting help that year. And it's the same with the transfer. Dave, it's no different. The transfer is now – the closest thing to the transfer back in the day was junior college players. Did you ever take a ju- – when did the coach ever take a junior college transfer not expecting them to start immediately? I mean, oh, that's I why you take – if a junior college player didn't c- come in and start immediately, he he was a bust. That's a very yes. good, that's a very good comparison. Exactly, Kenny O'Neill is the best example of that. Remember the five star receiver in the 07 class, the speedster who like came in and he was supposed to be a speedster, five star receiver. Struggling was, a little bit with Kenny O'Neill. It was to offset Robert Meacham because Tennessee didn't have a playmaker at receiver Eric Ainge's senior year, and he never beat out Lucas Taylor or Gerald Jones or anybody like that. And so it, it depends on what you expect, though. I'll say this for college kids. I do expect you to at least win your physical matchups, even if you're not winning the offense, uh, picking up the offense. That's why I give John Campbell a break, but not Andre Carrick. Carrick is getting abused on just basic physical blocking matchups. Dante Thornton, it's not not picking up the offense. It's Dante Thornton is not willing to go up to catch balls down the field. I'm sorry. That's, I mean, that's, that's shameful. That's despicable, particularly given all the NIL money that we know he took to go to Tennessee. So, I mean, I think Dante Thornton is – I do. I, I genuinely think he's like, I'll take the NIL money, and I don't really care at all. And I'm going to that. I'm going to quiz Caleb Calhoun next, and we're going to discuss Josh Heupel. Is he a good evaluator of talent or not? Based off our last discussion, you would say not, but those are transfers, and a lot of times transfers like junior college players happen for a reason. Two minutes, Caleb Calhoun, Dave Hooker, off the sports. Our family has been creating one-of-a-kind pieces of jewelry in West Knoxville since 1986. Each piece is a combination of unique processes that bring your idea to life. Every day in our shop, a truly special item with a story all its own is being manufactured in our facility, bringing the history and family sentiment into a whole new generation of life. We are grateful that you chose us to be Knoxville's best jeweler, a title that we value and respect. Because to me, being a jeweler and owning a jewelry store are not the same thing. I'm Rick Terry, I'm a jeweler, and we wanna be your jeweler. Kingston Pike and Campbell Station Road in the heart of Farragut and downtown on Gay Street right next to the Tennessee Theater. Hi, Mike Davis here with City Heating and Air reminding you to always dare to compare. Our team provides quality local heating and air service, installation, and maintenance across East Tennessee. We use only the best equipment like American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning for your residential, new construction, or commercial needs. 
Honesty, dependability, and customer satisfaction have been the cornerstones of our business since 1961. City Heat and Air. There's These mountains hold and defend a spirit far better than moonshine. A drink that holds flavor that becomes necessity. A hard cider made and relished by folk who are as hearty as they are legend. A refreshment that can only be found in one place. With a taste that makes you say, give me three bottles of the good stuff. Tennessee Cider Company, where necessity can be found. Um, who's this guy? Hello, wizard. The Dave Hooker Show. Ooh. A presentation of Off the Hook Sports. What? YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the free Off the Hook Sports app. Back to Dave Hooker. This comment from the message board because we were talking about whether or not Nico should play against UTSA in some meaningful snaps. Rocky Top Tom says it's subjective. You could get it right with some and you don't with others. Coach Heupel is stuck on what Joe could do with a decent offensive line and a run game. He's absolutely stuck on him. It will ruin him. Well, it's not going to ruin him if he's off one year. I don't think his career is suddenly on hold. I think it's actually on a positive trajectory no matter what. But it does lead us to... The question of uh, how does Josh Heupel evaluate talent? The ultimate question when he was hired, and you would agree with this, Caleb, and it's brought to you by uh, Campbell Cunningham, Taylor, and Hahn, was can he recruit with the big boys? Well, I think the early returns are probably, they've had a top 10-ish class. I think you need to have a top 5-ish class, but they've had a top 10-ish class. So, Caleb, I would say probably he can. And I think there are questions about the evaluations of Tennessee's transfers, which we did get into, but I want to get into that a little more. It's four downs, and it's brought to you by our friends at Campbell, Cunningham, Taylor, and Hahn. Four downs. Four questions. Four answers. The Dave Hooker Show. Four. 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 Bounds. A presentation of offthehooksports.com. All right. Hypel's best pickup. Hypel's best proven pickup. How does he evaluate talent? All of that and more as we get to four downs. And uh, Cooper Mays, what should people do? Cooper Mays here. Hit like and subscribe. Please do that. And also, if you can, be sure and uh, let me have you give us a review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, wherever you are. We really appreciate that. Like and subscribe. Turn your notifications on. What down is it, Coop? Coop here. First down. All right. First down. Heupel's best high school pickup. Not a Jeremy Pruitt player. And there still are some because everybody gets like 38 years to play college football nowadays with COVID. But Heupel's best pickup, proven, proven, so you can't go Nico, is whom? You do know that you totally messed up my game when you said his best high school pickup, right? Because I was about ready to go Brew McCoy. Well, we can do that too. I'll go and get to that. 
but you just ruined me. You disgust me, Dave. <laughs> His best high school pickup to this point is James Pierce. It's James Pierce. I think it's James Pierce. I think it might be Arian Carter one day. So I'll go with those. Well, Arian Carter and Dylan Sampson. It'll be what both of them one day. Well, you have to give Squirrel White. So do we want to say kind of a top quattro? I can't go Squirrel White yet. All I got with him for meaningful play is the bowl game, and the bowl game didn't happen, and I was right, and you and Jimmy Hyams and everybody else was wrong on that because I told you it didn't happen. It happened in your head. You dreamed it, and that's all we got with Squirrel White for meaningful snaps so far. <laughs> well, I take – I mean, I personally take bowl games with a grain of salt, so I'm, I'm not sure that I was – I quite as far on that side as as you were. Uh, it was unless, a, bowl games are illusions, literally illusions. You're not watching the game, guys. Yeah, and the thing that, that that was weird to me is it was almost like they wanted to get Cade Klubnik some different looks, and they were trying out stuff. It was almost like a a spring game uh, for them. Look at me; I have no contacts, no glasses. Why Campbell Cunningham? Taylor and Han enjoy life when you see better local vision service for LASIK cataract surgery and regular eye examination, cctis.com or look in the comments below cctis.com local vision. What down Coop? Cooper Mays here. Second down. All right. Who's their best transfer pickup has to be brew, right? It's brew McCoy. This is obvious. It's brew McCoy. I don't even know who's second. I mean, Charles Campbell. <laughs> Um, it may end up being Gabe Judy Lawley because he's a utility guy. Um, castles, but no, I, I, look, he, yeah, I, I can't really. It would have been Keenan Pilly. Pilly would have at least been in, in the conversation, I believe. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I would have said Gerald Mincy going into last year, going into this year. I would have said Gerald Mincy, but you know, it's, Gerald Mincy had, I mean, Gerald Mincy's turning into evidence of Hypel not evaluating talent well. So that's because he just hasn't taken that next step. Okay, fair enough. Um, let me ask you this. The best pickup that now I'm, I want to talk about a guy that has not even been on the field. So this is purely a recruiting question. But uh, the best pickup you think Tennessee has gotten under Hypel that hasn't spread his wings and flown quite yet. So I'm asking you to project. Tennessee center Cooper Mays here, third down. And that's third down. That one's another easy one. It's Nico Iamaliava. Nico Iamaliava is going to be the savior for Josh Heifel because he, I don't want to say he landed in his lap, but with NIL, he landed in Josh Heifel's lap the way Tim Tebow landed in Urban Meyer's lap. Okay, I will get. I'll give you Nico because I knew you were going to go in that direction. I will say the Koye uh, kid who plays tight end and Ethan Davis who plays tight end deserve to be in that conversation. <clears throat> Defensively, Arian Carter is kind of the answer to both. We've seen flashes, but he's not proven. Proven. So maybe you got a, a little bit of um, a little bit of overlap there what down coop all sec center cooper mays here fourth down so it sounds like we're saying that talent evaluation and recruiting is a concern is it or are we overreacting after three games it's a giant concern 
And I'm going to lay out the reasons why real quick, Dave, a few. First of all, the outside of Brew McCoy, there's been nobody that Hypo has signed that's actually that we can say has been a pleasant surprise or just a that people are happy with with how they played for Tennessee at this point. It's been all Jeremy Pruitt recruits. Heupel went out and got Joe Milton and forced Harrison Bailey and Brian Maurer into the transfer portal, kicked Kate on Salter off the team, and then named Joe Milton the starter over Hendon Hooker when it's so obvious by the day Hendon Hooker was better. He, and here's the biggest evidence of this. I'm going to bring this up, guys. We overlooked this when he was at UCF. But what does he do? He takes over in 2018 and he repeats what Scott Frost did and goes undefeated. They go 10 and three the next year, six and four. They got progressively worse as Heupel's own players got there to UCF. I didn't think that was a red flag at the time, but now I'm starting to think 12 and 0, 10 and three, six and four. The more players Heupel got, the worse UCF got. Well, here's what I think. I think they never got elite players. And I think because they're UCF and I think they depended on uh, Heifel's scheme offensively to overcome that. I do think that uh, he'll be okay long-term and it's because of the Carters of the world and the Ethan Davises of the world that he won battles with against uh, big time competition. I mean, Arian Carter could have gone wherever he wanted. So could um, Ethan Davis. So, I really think that uh, his talent evaluation is going to prove to be okay. I think he got a little enamored with the transfer portal. And I think in, in retrospect that at Tennessee in order to grow organically, yeah, I, I used to work in digital marketing. So the difference between growing organically, like when you search something on Google, you know, this is it comes up on a Google page. If you have the Google ad, that's like a transfer portal player. You know, you can put the ad up there and it shows up, but it doesn't mean that it's the best service over time for those people that show up with high ratings on a Google search. So I think it's somewhat like that. Was that a good analogy or a terrible one? No, that's a great one. But uh, Dave, I got to push back only with the, I get what you say with the UCF players, but you know this, evaluating is much, much harder as you get to the lower, lower levels. Like your ability to evaluate is more important if you're at like a UCF versus if you're at Tennessee, because it's, and this might save Josh Heupel. I'll say this. When you're at this level, if you're recruiting at the top level, there's not, it, you even said you can tell a five-star from a one-star. I think five-star talent ain't that hard to find. I think we can figure out five-star talent. We can just look at, my wife can look at a high school player that's a five-star and say, oh yeah, he's going to be great in college. Okay. I, I really like, so that's the thing that will help Heupel. Whereas at UCF, you have to think a little more about who you're getting and who fits your scheme. And so that's what might save Heupel. But yeah, I think it's pretty clear at this point that his talent evaluation is lacking. He hasn't proven anything yet as far as a talent evaluator. And the only well, reason, that, and by the way, before I'm, you say Brew McCoy, Brew McCoy was an obvious talent. He just had off the field issues. No, you're right, but I, I'm I'm going to say that I think there are a couple of guys. I don't like Willie Martinez particularly as a secondary coach, but I'll tell you that I think he's he's a good talent evaluator. I think Rodney Garner is a good talent talent evaluator, and I think they determine what is a three star in an analyst mind and what should be a four star. And I I think that they're pretty good at that, and I think that's why you've seen the Pierces of the world and. 
uh, the Ethan Davis is the world, which we haven't seen yet, but the Pierce is the world. The Arian Carters start to filter up uh, in, in the deck chart. I just think that Tennessee was darned and determined to load up on transfer portal guys. And that's the ones they missed on. And I said this before this week, I'd rather have the guy like McAllen castles. That is at UC Davis and is starring there and appreciates the new role and what he's able to get than a guy like Dante Thornton, who only started three games last year. And we all got excited about him because he looked a little bit like Randy Moss, but he only started three games last year and it was because of an injury in front of him. And he ended up with 30 some odd catches for 300 yards and just one touchdown. Was he a cast off from Oregon? I don't know, but I think it's worth asking the question now, isn't it? Uh, was John undefeated. Cam- they're going to be the center of college football this weekend playing Colorado. Yeah. So they're not hurting. I mean, they're not, they're, they're, they're not upset that Dante Thornton's still gone. Uh, was John Campbell a cast off? I, I don't know, but I, I feel for, I can empathize in Josh Heupel's position because you don't get three and four and five years to rebuild a program, especially with what Deion Sanders is doing nowadays with that we're going to get to. And he felt like he had plug holes now and keep the momentum going in what you could argue would be a down year. I mean, Tennessee lost their two best offensive linemen from last year. They lost the Blitnikoff Award winner. They lost their quarterback. And we just rolled into this year saying everything's going to be great. Guys, this could be a bridge year. This could be a bridge year to get the Pierce's more play in the world, to get the Carter's more play to get the Nikos more play, even though you disagree with that and get an offensive line set and ready for the 2024 season. That is not outside the realm of possibility that this is a bridge year. I think a lot of that determines what happens at the quarterback position. And this is what Caleb brought up. I'm like, what the H? I mean, goodness gracious, Caleb's throwing heat. What the? What was he thinking? Release the hounds. The Dave Hooker Show. Keep cool. A presentation of offthehooksports.com. Portions of the program brought to you by Rick Terry Jewelry Design. They want to be your jeweler looking for affordable game day jewelry. How about the Fire Opals, the Tennessee tradition? RickTerryJewelry.com. RickTerryJewelry.com. It is right down there, so click on it and know that they've got the Fire Opals, very affordable, and your lovely missus will look fantastic on game day. So I have a list of SEC teams, and we're going to play a little game that I like to call Hank or Tracy. Hank Kingsley will say, hey now, if the answer is affirmative, that was a little too loud. Tracy Morgan will say, that's crazy if it's negative. So Deion Sanders, who Caleb said uh, was maybe a little bit of a showman. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but he didn't remember one of his players names and you took him to task for that. But I think, Caleb, you still have respect for what he's been able to do in a short time there, even if it's a flash in the pan. We shall see. So I'm going to ask you of these SEC teams who would trade their guy for Dion right now? I mean, right now. And I'm going to start in the West, and I'm going to go with Auburn. No, they wouldn't. They've got That's Hugh Freeze. Crazy. 
I agree. They just got Hugh Freeze. Uh, that that's the direction they went. Uh, they could have probably gotten Deion Sanders if they wanted to. LSU. No, they got Brian Kelly. That's crazy. I agree. That's crazy. Ole Miss. That's crazy. I think they, they like Lane Kiffin more than he uh, likes them. Yes, I agree. I think they like Lane Kiffin, but Dion. Dion in back in Mississippi may work, and Dion at Ole Miss. I mean, it wouldn't be much different, honestly. Dion to Lane Kiffin, but yeah, I think they'll stick with Lane Kiffin. I think they'd be better. Um, Arkansas. Yeah, they take Dion in yeah. a second, and also Jerry Jones and Jimmy Johnson played at Arkansas. Well, Jimmy jo- Dion didn't play for Jimmy Johnson, but Jerry Jones played at Arkansas. Uh, yeah, Jerry Jones and uh, Jimmy Johnson were on the same team. So, and so was Barry Switzer, I think. Was on I think he's a little bit older. So okay. Um, the um, as far as um, Arkansas. Uh, oh, we mentioned Arkansas, Texas A and M. Yes, if they could get rid of Jimbo Fisher's buyout in a heartbeat. Hey now. Uh, yes, I agree with that. Mississippi State. Yes. Hey now. Agree with that. All right, let's go to the e- – oh, we didn't mention Alabama. I, I was waiting for you to say Alabama because I might say if you think Nick Saban is retiring in two years, Dave, dare we say yes for Alabama? Hey, now. I would. <laughs> I mean, if you think Nick Saban's got two years left, oh, my gosh, Dion in Tuscaloosa, that would be great. Okay, uh, let's go to the east. How about Florida? Yes, I don't care what Billy Napier just did. Yes, they would take Dion. Hey, now. I agree. Would Georgia take Dion over Kirby Smart? I think we know the answer no. to that. No. That's crazy. What about Kentucky, Mark Stoops? That I want to say no because of the job Mark Stoops has done, but I think because of the national level of attention Dion could bring Kentucky I think they would because he would be the only guy that could recruit elite talent to Kentucky and also I just want to see Dion and John Calipari at the same school um I don't think Kentucky would want the Dion factor because they're a basketball first school that's so true. Dion wouldn't like that at Kentucky, by the way. I don't. I don't think they would. I don't think they would trade, even though Dion might have more success than Mark Stoops. So I'll say that's crazy. Missouri. Hey now. Do we need to debate? Yes, they would walk on broken glass to Colorado in order to get him. Vanderbilt. Hey now. Yes. Dion at an urban school, like a small. Dion's the type of coach that could make Vanderbilt like the flashiest school in the country. Yeah. South Carolina. Hey now. Yes. I agree. Before we get to Tennessee, Aero Group Security Solutions, leadership experience, specialization, addressing problems through unique mission-specific mitigation techniques, making your children safer one school at a time. Go to heraldgrp.com. That's heraldgrp.com. And they'll make your children safer, especially in private schools. And we're working to get that public schools as well all right tennessee would tennessee trade josh heupel for Deion sanders no that's no i agree they they have a they have a very solid offensive minded coach um that has will be there for a while 
yeah, one that can be there for a while, even if he stumbles a little bit this year. I think they've got a guy who views it as a destination job. So there you go. I, I and don't unlike think... Dion, they're not as dependent on making sure they don't have bad luck with staff hires because Josh Heupel only needs to make sure he gets the right defensive coach. He's It's his offense. Same way it's Nick Saban's defense or it's Kirby Smart's defense, it's Josh Heupel's offense. Dion will consistently have to hire staff. And I don't care how good of a coach you are if you're a CEO, Dabo Swinney is learning this. The minute you hire the wrong staff member, it derails your program. That's very true. That's very true. Speaking of uh, derailing the program or derailing another program, let me ask you this, um, Caleb, would Deion Sanders at the schools we mentioned have success? And I'm going to go ahead and put the bar of success as making an SEC championship game. Yeah, I think he could get to the SEC title at pretty much any school he's at because he could get the talent. And so, yeah, I think he would have success. I don't know if it'd be I don't know if it would be sustained success, but it'd be success. It'd be success on the way of Gene Chizik giving Cam Newton a hundred thousand dollars to come win him a national championship at Auburn. It's not a bad comparison, and you can do it legally now. Yeah, exactly. So, so I mean, greatest investment Auburn ever made. I mean, Gene Chizik, you can you can say he got fired and he was a terrible coach and he was, but hey, he's got a national title ring. That's true. How many wins does Tennessee need to have to continue the momentum as now you have one in the L column? That's a loss. 90 seconds. We discussed that with Caleb Callahan. I'm Dave Hogan. Candace, I was, I was really heavy into the drug culture. Um, I was selling drugs. I was just constantly in pain. I was missing like a good support system in my life. KS has given me everything that I need in order to successfully have a wonderful recovery, in order to have a life that I didn't even know was possible. And it's not just about me anymore. And I love that. I absolutely love it. You can take your life back. Call Cadis today. With all that sun, sand, and salt water, the beach is a very relaxing place. Unless you wear contacts. Ow! Open your eyes to the best the beach has to offer with LASIK Vision Correction from Campbell Cunningham Laser Center. Ah. Sports Treasures in North Knoxville is one of the South's largest sports cards and memorabilia dealers featuring over 10 million sports cards from vintage to modern. Sports Treasures carries a full line of hobby boxes, singles, autographed memorabilia, Tennessee ball collectibles, fan cave decorations, and so much more. See a museum full of collectibles at Sports Treasures, 4819 North Broadway in Fountain City, and Sports Treasures on Facebook. Sports Treasures, where the real sports fan goes to shop. Are you getting closer there, Caleb? Maybe. You're listening to the Dave Hooker Show, a presentation of OffTheHookSports.com. The internet is full of pictures of each and every one of you. Available on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the Off The Hook Sports app. Download now for free. Is there nothing you people can't do? Also available on OffTheHookSports.com. All right, with Caleb Calhoun, I'm Dave Hooker. So we have this question that we didn't think would be applicable anytime soon, but here we go. Tennessee wins 
11 games last year, but let's talk regular season because Caleb hates seems some orange bowl. And I understand that. Um, so let's say 10 wins in the regular season, which I, I, that's typically what I go to anyway. So Tennessee has recruiting momentum. You know, they're, they're able to get the Arian Carters and the Ethan Davises that would have gone somewhere else just a couple of years ago, maybe a year ago. They have that recruiting momentum. They've, you know, you can look at their recruiting rankings if you want to pull those up and tell me where they stand now. I would appreciate that, Caleb, and how many four and five stars they have. So clearly there's there's momentum with the program. And clearly that momentum is strong enough to withstand a Florida loss. I don't think anybody's saying Josh Heupel is not the guy. Uh, as a matter of fact, I think you still have a fantastic coach. But how many wins does Tennessee need to have to keep the momentum going? Obviously, 10 would still do it, and that would be a monumental win considering their quarterback issues and the injuries that they have had, which have been t- just to the, to two of the worst players that you could have injured. And um, I... I'll leave it at this. I think Tennessee could win as few as eight games and still have momentum if the quarterback play gets better. Either my way, Nico, or your way, Joe steps up to the plate. I think the concern is if Tennessee slips to seven wins and the quarterback play is really, really bad Um, because then some of the skilled position players aren't going to want to come. Your defense is not going to look good, and it's this vertical attacking defense, and you're not going to have that. So I say that Tennessee can still have momentum and really unaffected momentum by eight wins and a strong close, which the schedule would open that up that possibility, a strong close of quarterback play. You? I think eight wins. I'm with you. I think eight wins could keep Tennessee's momentum. But I think to be safe, they need to be nine and three. I think nine. I think they need meaning. I think they need to win every game rest the rest of the way outside of Alabama and Georgia. I'm just going to be honest with you. I think they need to win every game, other game, the rest of the way, and that includes. Let part of this is who they beat, right, Dave? A lot of this is who you beat because last year when Tennessee lost to South Carolina, that wrecked them on the recruiting trail. So I'm just going to say this now: Tennessee has to beat South Carolina next week. I don't care what they do the rest of the year. They can't lose to South Carolina a second year in a row. That will derail momentum like nobody's business. Tennessee, I'm. this is the most something to gain, most to lose game Josh Heupel's ever coached in his career at Tennessee is next week against South Carolina. If they don't win that game, they're in big trouble because South Carolina already has some recruiting momentum against Tennessee. So they have to beat South Carolina. I still think they should beat Texas A&M because Texas A&M is going to start coming apart at the seams. So the question becomes Alabama, Georgia losses. Can they maintain against Missouri and Kentucky on the road? I think they got to be both of those teams. I, I think, I think they got, I think they need to go nine and three, but I think they can withstand eight and four, but they cannot withstand losing to South Carolina period in a story. So yours is not just who they lose to yours is not just number of wins. It's who they lose to, right? Yes. It's who they lose to. They can't afford losing to South Carolina. Wow. I hadn't really placed it like that. So if they lose to, I said eight wins. Can I change mine? 
I'm going to change it to nine. So if they lose to Florida with quarterback issues, they lose to Alabama on the road, and they lose to the defending national championship, uh, national champion, Caleb, I'm going to say nine. I'm going to I'm going to change my answer to nine. If they were to lose those three games, you don't want to lose to the big three, but I would say that it would take nine because eight would involve a South Carolina, a Missouri, a somebody else. So that, you think a Missouri loss would be too devastating on the road this year, given the fact that both are top twenty-five caliber teams? Looking at it right now. I'm going to say if it's nine and they lose to Florida, Alabama, and Georgia, the recruiting momentum and all the momentum of the program is perfectly fine. I'm going to say if it's Florida, Georgia, and Missouri or Vanderbilt at the end of the year, then you've got a, a problem. But I will say this, from covering recruiting for 20 years, kids don't usually put too much on one game. But I'm I'm going to stick at nine if I can. Okay, so we're both at nine and three. I'm with you. I'm, I think nine and three is where you need to be. And for the record, Clemson went nine and three in 2014 in the bridge year. And I keep comparing this year to Clemson's 2014 year, which was a bridge year. And Clemson did go nine and three that year. I do think, to your point, Dave, I do think Deshaun Watson actually actually did finish the season that year at Clemson, didn't he? Didn't he end up taking the starting job from Cole Stout? I could be wrong on that. Or did Cole Stout get hurt? Uh, I think Um, think they kind of shuffled back and forth for a second. I think they did too. You're right. And so maybe that does happen, but yeah, I think nine and three is where they need to be that look South Carolina and Texas A&M is the first step. I think they should be Texas A&M, but they got to go all in on South Carolina. Heupel needs to literally pull out everything he's got because you can't lose to South Carolina. You just can't. And Missouri and Kentucky those are going to be tougher because one, they're well, Missouri will because that's they don't really have a fan base. But I will say, Dave Kroger Field can get loud at night when they're playing a big time team and Kentucky's doing, playing well. It can actually, yeah, be but also, yeah, but also Kentucky can self check out. <laughs> the Kroger thing that I did there, <laughs> yes, well played. Yeah, yes, I want to say this guy, anyway, Kentucky probably has. You don't think about it because they're a basketball school, but they've got one of the best fan bases in the SEC. I mean, they show up for football games, and they totally. are loud and raucous. Totally. Considering wins and losses, I think South Carolina is the best fan base. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Kentucky might be second, and I'd have Auburn somewhere in there because they don't win a lot of championships, but that's one of the loudest places to play. I will tell you I was blown away. Um, no, but I, I think Kentucky's uh, very impressive. Uh, the premier hemp dispensary online with a wide variety, great selection, and strict standards to ensure you only receive the best in CBD and Delta products. Please go to hemphousechat.com, hemphousechat.com. Use the promo code HOOKED for 10% off. That's the promo code HOOKED. Um, but when I look at this Tennessee football team, do I think they'll win nine games? I do. Because... An Alabama win with the problems they're having wouldn't surprise me. And I think they'll be favored in the rest of their games other than Georgia, won't they? Yeah, I think so. Let's also put this out there. You know this about being a, about spoiled fan bases, Dave. Alabama may not be the road game people think it is. If Alabama loses another game, I, I think their new student body is so has expectations so high, they may apathy may creep in for them if they're not in a playoff race 
because there have been I, I I can't believe I'm saying that it's Alabama, but no, no, you're honest. right. It happened at Tennessee when Tennessee it happened at Florida when they were just knocking on the door of championships instead of winning championships like Tennessee. I thought there was some. Um, I still remember, and we're, we're going to visit with Philip former our Celebrate 98 series, but I still remember one thing. It's kind of what I'm going to lead with, and we were going to do that last night, but it's going to be Friday with Fred White, and it's brought to you by Tennessee Cider Company. But I still remember him saying that his wife looked up at him uh, when he's ho- hoisting the national championship trophy, and he goes, she said, well, you've done it now, because if you don't do this every year, they're not going to be happy. And she was exactly right. So in 2000, they started to get, eh. And in 2001, you lose the SEC championship game when you should have won. They're like, oh, my gosh. And then it really, pardon me, went off the rails. Same thing for Steve Spurrier, who left Gainesville saying 10 wins just didn't enough. So could I see that happening in Alabama? Yes. As a matter of fact, I will tell you that will happen at Alabama. Maybe not this year, but whenever Nick Saban retires, they're not just going to go pick up another Nick Saban. They might pick up a Mike Shula or they might pick up, you know, one of the goofballs that they had between Stallings and and Saban. And yeah, I mean, it actually was before Stallings because he had like Bill Curry and um, Stallings won the championship. That's true. But basically that they kept looking for Bear Bryant disciples. There was that joke by the at the time, how many Alabama fans does it take to change a light bulb? And it was one, but it takes ten others to sit around and talk about how the bear would have changed the light bulb. And I mean that was basically Alabama coaching hires. It was all oh, he's got some bear Bryant ties. So I've never heard that joke, but it makes me smile. It makes me smile. Um, it's fun, it's funny you bring up the, I wanted to mention the Fulmer thing. You know what really stood out with me with that? So the ninety eight national title Tennessee wins, they go back to the Fiesta Bowl in ninety nine. Do you remember how much Nebraska fans just punked Tennessee fans at that game? Like Nebraska had three fourths of the stadium at the Fiesta Bowl in '99. Yeah, and Tennessee fans just didn't. They didn't. Yeah, Tennessee fans didn't bother to show up. And well, a lot of Tennessee. Same, it was the same trip when you played for the. It was actually it would have been the 2000 Fiesta Bowl, but yes. '99 season. But it. Um, I know because I saw Billy Idol a Y2K. Uh, at <laughs> December the 31st, 1999 wow. at 11.59. Um, but it it was the same trip for a lesser game. I, that's the one bowl trip I gave Tennessee a complete pass on. I mean, you played for national championship in the same area. It's an expensive trip. If you've ever been to Phoenix, you better get your ATM card out fast. You do realize that in 2001, though, is why Tennessee, after losing to LSU, was stuck going to the Citrus Bowl when Florida got the BCS invite. Even yes. though Tennessee beat Florida and they both had two losses, the Orange Bowl was like, yeah, Tennessee didn't fill the stadium in the Fiesta Bowl, so we're going to give this to Florida. That happened because yeah. Tennessee fans didn't bother to show up in Arizona. No, you're, you're, you're absolutely right. And, um, you know, I, I, I just think that I think nine's your magic number. No matter how you get to nine, the momentum doesn't stop, especially if you have quarterback issues but it seems like everybody has quarterback issues so i'm not ruling out a possible upset of alabama or um georgia Georgia in november issues but now somebody else says somebody's kind of calling you out a little bit here it's tom says john c that's what everyone said about us going to florida last weekend you think for one second that alabama is not going to decimate us the way we're playing yes the way they were playing saturday yes but i don't know that they're going to be playing that way in the third Saturday in October. 
Yeah, and Florida also is probably a little more appreciative of what could be possible now than Alabama is because Florida hasn't been winning national championships 10, 12 years in a row. Look, that that derails expectations. I mean, Billy Donovan couldn't fill a 10,000-seat arena after his second national title because Florida was just never able to rematch what they did there. I mean, that's that's natural. That's what happens. I will say I underestimated, I underestimated Florida fans last week just like I underestimated Georgia fans last year. I got to stop doing that. You bring up South Carolina. South Carolina fans didn't cost Tennessee that game because the offense was moving the ball fine. It was just a defensive collapse. But there were a lot of things that went in the South Carolina game. Like you removed the Clemson Orange Bowl. I almost removed the Clemson game from how I view last year. Or, I'm sorry, the South Carolina game from how I view last year because of the off field issues leading into the game. I mean, it's a lack of maturity. I still judge the team off that. But as far as their play, I don't think they were suddenly figured out in any stretch of the imagination. And I'm not sure that if Hendon Hooker doesn't stay healthy and doesn't go down with the ACL tear, that they don't make a game of that. I was certain they were still going to come back three scores in the fourth quarter. But yeah, I I agree. I think so. Nine wins, I think is fair. Missouri and Kentucky is going to be tough. But well, not Missouri has no fans. But you just never know what you're going to get with that program. But they should, you know, Tennessee and Kentucky is like Tennessee and Florida, but the reverse. Tennessee doesn't lose to Kentucky. Can't wait to talk to Philip Fulmer on Friday. And that'll be brought to you by Tennessee Cider Company, the original hard cider of the Smoky Mountains. Use the promo code HAT to receive some free swag uh, with your cider order. That's HAT, available most anywhere in the U.S. You can order the cider from there. Use the promo code HAT so they know it's from us. Support our sponsors. We appreciate that. Picks brought to you by Zen Sports. And here we go, Caleb Calhoun. You lead us off. What you got rolling? That's Auburn. <coughs> Pardon me. A seven and a half point favorite at Texas A&M. The no, no, no. Texas A&M, seven and a half point favorite. Yeah, sorry. Texas A&M, seven and a half point favorite. Auburn, a uh, seven and a half point uh, plus seven and a half and the over 51 and a half. Um, I'm higher on Auburn maybe than you. I don't know. I know I'm not as down. No, no, I'm picking this. Auburn to cover. Okay. Yeah. You got well, Auburn first to of all. Okay. You, so yeah. you think it's a close game or do you think Auburn wins? I said take Auburn money line, but it, but yeah, I got Auburn plus seven and a half. By the way, just want to point out 13 and nine last week, but three and oh on our best bets, meaning we're seven and four on the best bets, the locks of the year. So if you listen pretty, to me, you're making money. Pretty strong. That's I pretty told y'all that Florida game would hit the under. Told right, y'all, so and I told y'all Colorado wouldn't cover. Kentucky, um, a 13 and a half point favorite against Vanderbilt. The under is 50. If you're betting on this game, then my goodness, you might have a problem. I mean, I, I might bet on this game. I think the I think Kentucky's easily gonna cover. And I think the under fifty is a pretty good play because Mark Stoops in that offense or in that defense is gonna play that defensive slugfest. Just back to Auburn real quick, Dave. Over though, over under fifty one point five. Do you think Hugh Freeze's offense and Texas AM's offense are both gonna roll in this game, or do you think it'll be more of a defensive SEC slugfest? I like the over. Okay. Yeah, I do so, like the over. Yeah, so Kentucky. I got. I think Kentucky beats Vanderbilt by more than two touchdowns pretty easily. Vanderbilt's bad this year. Clemson plus two and a half against Florida State. The over is 55. And I am taking the over, and it's in Clemson. I, I, I think Clemson's going to – I think Clemson might win outright. I, I just don't – I'm not going to overrate Florida State what they did to LSU. So I'm, I'm going to go Clemson. What do you think? 
I think you're hung up on hating Florida State. I think First Florida off, State. I need Hank Kingsley and Tracy Morgan on this, but you know. Oh, that's my bad. <laughs> oh, there we go. That's the wrong one. Here we go. That's crazy. Uh, so I will take – I will actually take uh, Florida State to win. Um, How much do, do they cover? I think they do. I think they do. Um, and, How and epic I is this week's slate of games? Yeah, I was with you on Florida State before the season. Okay, Oregon 21-point uh, favorites versus Colorado. I love, love, love the buffs in this. And I'm not getting caught up in the Dion stuff. I just think one guy has a special quarterback, and I'll take a special quarterback against a 21-point spread any day. Oregon's got a special quarterback in Bo Nix. <laughs> also, here's my here's mom the doesn't even say that. <laughs> Should or Sanders – uh, Colorado doesn't have an offensive line. Oregon with Dan Lanning as head coach is going to focus on bringing pressure constantly that Colorado has not yet seen. And Shador Sanders hasn't really shown any mobility yet in the pocket. So that's why that plus Oregon playing at home. I'm sorry. I think Oregon covers. So do you think Colorado wins outright or do you think they just, that Oregon just doesn't cover the 21 point spread? I think it's very tight. I think it's a one score game at the end. Uh, Alabama seven point favorite over. Oh wait, UCLA Utah. Yes, UCLA Utah. Chip Kelly guys is arriving at UCLA. Utah's quarterback Cam Rising is hurt. Still, it's at Utah. I think UCLA covers a four and a half, and they might win. All right, Alabama seven point favorites versus Ole Miss. Um, I think this is closer than seven, so I think I'm I'm, I'm different with you there. Uh, I think the defense is back. I think Alabama covers because of the defense. So the game hits the under 54.5. I'm seeing like 24 to 10 Alabama. Okay. Um, I want to get Tennessee last. Uh, Arkansas, 17 and a half point uh, dogs to at LSU. I think LSU plays really well this week, but you've got Arkansas. Yeah, I think Arkansas covers because this is just a rivalry game. And so I think that these games are always kind of close. So I think after last week, BYU, I think LSU might overlook Arkansas a little bit. They'll put up a fight. The offenses will both score a lot. So take the over 55. But I think Arkansas does cover the 17.5 spread, even though LSU wins. Washington State plus three versus Oregon State. Guys, think of these are the two remaining teams in the big in the Pac-12 that haven't gotten anywhere. And it's two undefeated teams. Washington and Oregon are undefeated, too. But still, Washington State, Oregon State, this is one of those Pac-12 games you're going to want to watch late at night. Okay? Washington State's going to not just cover the their three-point underdogs. They're not just going to cover that. They're going to win outright, take the over. There's a Heisman candidate at Washington State named Cameron Ward. Michael Penix is getting all the hype in the state. Washington State has got their own Heisman candidate right now. Picks brought to you by Zen Sports, the new sports book in Tennessee, revolutionizing the way you earn sports betting rewards. That means no more deposit bonuses that turn into deposit nightmares. On Zen Sports, what you see is what you get. And with our cash rewards program, you get a lot of cash. For a welcome bonus, earn an unlimited 5% cash back on your betting volume for your first 15 days when you sign up with the code HOOKED. That's promo code HOOKED. That's right, unlimited 5% cash back. Keep betting, keep earning with a 3% cash back on your betting volume every month after that. And refer friends to earn a percentage of their betting volume as cash rewards too. Support our sponsors. Get that Zen Sports app. Zen Sports bringing the cash back to Tennessee. So if you bet big on sports, you want to be betting on Zen Sports. Zen Sports betting just got better. Use the promo code HOOKED. Again, HOOKED 
for more cash back. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-889-9789. Must be 21 or over. And in Tennessee to bet. I'm going to jump forward to your best bets of the week. You have three of them. Tell me why these stand out before we uh, get your call on Tennessee. Or do we want to save Tennessee for a Friday? Uh, let's just call it today. Okay. It's a, it's give, a, give me your best bets. It is you. Um, so uh, I've got Washington State, like I said, plus three versus Oregon State. Oklahoma, uh, more than two touchdown favorite at Cincinnati. I like that. I think they'll cover. I think Cincinnati's not the same team without Luke Fickle. So that's my best bet. And Colorado and Oregon. The under 70 and a half. Like, sorry, they're not scoring 70 and a half points. So the under. So of those, I will tell you this, that uh, the only one I disagree on is uh, Colorado um, and Oregon. I think that'll be the, I think that'll be the over 70 and a half. And I know that's a lot of points, but yeah, Shador Sanders. It's so funny to think about where we were two years ago to say, hey, they've got Deion Sanders' son and Bo Nix. Because Nix was at Auburn and Sanders' son was at Jackson State. We didn't know who he was. That's so true. You're right. Have you thought about how bizarre that is? This is going to be a great Big 12, Big 10 matchup. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, they're not even <laughs> They're not even the, one of the conferences doesn't exist from two years ago. He's Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker. This has been a presentation of Off the Hook Sports. Don't forget Sports Treasures. Follow them on Facebook, carrying over 5 million sports treasures and so much more. Follow on Facebook for the best sports memorabilia updates. They're awesome. Sports Treasures TN on Facebook. Sports Treasures TN. He's Caleb. I'm Dave. Off the Hook Sports. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.